0: I need to move some things out of the way because, as you know, my ADD kicks in and things will start flying. So protect equipment first. I'm going to move them because I'm probably going to walk around. Sorry, Mr. Chad. Okay. Chuckles. how tall are you? Like? Perfect. All right. So tonight we're back in First Thessalonians 5. Tonight we're uh, we're one... I guess with tonight, we're two passages of Scripture away from being done with 1 Thessalonians. We talked about it last Wednesday night. We've been in this book for about 11 weeks, maybe, if you include Christmas break. It's been 11 weeks. And so when we talk about the things that the Thessalonians are going through, what the Thessalonica church is suffering through, what, what are some of those things that we've talked about? Let's review that a little bit because that will make sense for tonight's message. Let's, let's review what they're going through or what they have been going through. Anybody? What you got? Persecution. Persecution. Do we know from what? People. Fair answer. People. What else? Yes, sir. I can't hear you. My man. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Yeah. I mean, right. Where they? Where, where's Thessalonica is a major trade city, right? So what else? What was the one? Uh, do you guys remember a couple, I guess it's probably two months ago that I spoke on sexual immorality. Remember the temples that they had created to try to tempt. It wasn't a temptation. They encouraged them to go inside of these temples and basically give themselves to this demigod, this lady, this lady that was a God of promiscuity, a lady of a bad lady. Let's just start there. Right. And so tonight we're going to learn that the, the title for this in um, my Bible was actually it just said basics for Christian living. And I've suffered. I was talking to Mr. Shab before we started, but sometimes you get into that situation where you get a, a passage of Scripture and you there's so much to unpack there. And you can you can break down a verse and just nail a whole message and just take it home. Well, this part of First uh, Thessalonians, it's, it's pretty simple. He gives us, uh, what is it, six verses? My math is right? Yep. He gives us six verses, and, and they're pretty self-explanatory. So I, I didn't struggle, but I, I worked on this for a long time. But it's really not that hard. It's simple, but not easy. So... We're in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 20. We're going to read as we usually do. Can you turn me down just a touch? We're going to read as we usually do. And tonight, I had a volunteer read. I didn't have to pick somebody out of the crowd. He was nice enough to run up to me and almost uh, tackle me. And he wants to read. So tonight, Chuck Steiger is going to read. You can give it up, Chuck. He's gonna read he's he's gonna read out of my Bible. You're right here and you're gonna have to flip the page. I'm sorry, bud. Yep, but it's highlighted. Sixteen through twenty-two. Okay, so you wanna Okay. Guys, please stand for the, the reading of God's word. Oh, sorry. Hey, I, I underestimated you. There you go. Hold on. There you go. Sorry, Mr. Chad. Is that better? All right, here we go. always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God, in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise the prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. you want to pray or you want to pray? I'll pray. Oh, okay. sir. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for bringing us together as a church. God, please bless us reading and help us to glean a lot from it. Amen. Let's go give it up. Revelation. Let- <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, last week we were talking about how we were getting ready to finish up Re- or Thessalonians, uh, the the first book of, of First Thessalonians, and uh Chuck came up to me and asked if we were doing Revelation next. He says because he really wants us to read it. So. We have to get through the second book or the second letter to the Church of Thessalonica before we decide where we're going next. But I like where your head's at. So let's talk about the book. Who wrote it? Paul. Thank you. Very good. I, uh, when was it written? I apologize. When was it written? 59? Okay. What is it? My man, okay. Where was it written from? G- G- that was your answer, I want right? 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 Who? Who's, who was it written to? Thank you. Why was it written? To warn, to warn and encourage. Very good. So as we read it again real quick, it says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It says, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. These verses are each individually connected and you kind of, you can't go to one without the other. But the first one reads like this, it says, rejoice always. Is that hard? Consensus is yes. So, somebody give me an example of when it's difficult to rejoice. What you got, Brock? When someone dies. When someone dies, it's hard. Yes, sir. When you're in the valley. That's a good point. When you're in the valley. Anybody else? When you like use at something. Yeah, it's tough. Especially like. that's, that's, that's very true. There's something, so something you guys are going through now in, in school and in things that are harped on a lot are studies and sports and activities. And we're so ingrained with winning. Have you ever been a part of a, of, a, of a winning sports team? I'm not bragging. Put your hand down, wrestler. I'm not bragging, but I used to coach soccer and we were very good. These six to eight-year-olds smashed people absolutely destroyed them like I made kids quit but then come to my my daughters are laughing because they were on their teams but the next year those kids that quit usually joined my team but when you go through those those peaks when you lose it's difficult when you face a death in the family it's hard when you're in the valley when you're being attacked it's hard but the Bible tells us to rejoice rejoice always And it says, because sometimes bad things in our lives, we must rejoice even in those things. And it says, we base our joy. I thought this was interesting. It says, we can't base our joy in our circumstances. Because our circumstances change, but God doesn't. You know what a constant is? 100%. What is a constant in your life that will always be there? This is a trick question. Sin is always going to be in your life. Are you planning on it, Chuck? <laughs> okay, okay. All right, here we go. Now, this is going to go a different way. The what? You going to the Your your dad's a, a pastor. What does the constant to the changes to God right? So, if we read, turn up Philippians four four through seven and read this with me. This is going to tie everything up, but I wanted to read this first because it gives us a way to kind of move forward. It says, verse four says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made uh, known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We, we talked about those things that are hard to rejoice in, the bad things, the deaths, the valleys, the losses. Those things pass. That constant in your life, that relationship with Christ doesn't. He is a constant. He is what he was yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He'll be forever. He doesn't change. So when we go through those valleys... We know that we can rejoice in him. We know that there will be some sadness, but we know that we will be able to rejoice in the Lord and he will carry us through. It's pretty cool. And that can be reassuring to some of you guys. So what's that look like? So look at verse 17. I got a pretty good story about this and I might have told it before, but I'll tell you in a second. It says, pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. So what are the requirements of what are the requirements of prayer? Very good. What are some of the some, what are some of the church requirements for prayer? 100% cross your hands, close your eyes, bow your heads. on your knees. Go to a Catholic church. So if all those rules are in place, can I pray everywhere? So what does prayer look like? What is your prayer? What is your, some of you may not want to answer this, but what does your prayer life look like? Do you go in that dark, that dark, quiet room where there's nobody around and you pray to yourself and you can hear, you can physically hear the voices in your head, you're praying to God, you can hear it. There's no sound at all and you're just in there. And it's, you have a sectioned out part of the day where you pray and that's it and you're done. Does it look like that for most of us? No. Do you just pray at meals? Let's see if you guys know this one. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Do you know the rest of it? So we must be fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Amen. Does your prayer life look like that? I wrote this down. I said, what are some of the requirements? Head bows, eyes closed, on knees. Where should we pray at church in my home in a quiet place? These are all the places that I'm required to pray. These are only the places that I can pray. What does it sound like? Is it loud enough for everyone to hear? Long enough not to miss anything? Methodical, that dinner prayer? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Is it like that? Or is it a relational discussion? Is it something where I go to Christ, I take it to his feet, and I ask him? I pray. I praise him. I repent. I ask and I yield. It's easy. Four letters. Four things to do. So what is a good prayer Look like I wrote "no" in capital letters. So no, there are many valuable implications of this command. But I want to tell you a story about my buddy Paul, not Mister Paul Eastwood or Trothier or uh, I got a guy named a buddy named Paul uh, Phillips. So I may have told this story before, and if I have, just follow along. Mister Paul, he's been he, he's been in this church before. He was here when. Uh, one of our former deacons was ordained, and now he's a pastor in the church. Mr. Paul, his name's Paul Donahue. He's like this big, gigantic man, right? And he always wears cowboy boots wherever he goes. I used to work for the sheriff's department, and it was always funny to work with him because his, his pants were just a scotch too high. And so he'd walk in there like an old sheriff wearing a, like, a, like a, a sheriff's office uniform. And he'd walk in there, and he'd have just a little bit too much of his pants cut up and you can see most of his boots. Well, Mr. Paul used to pray for everything and the best thing I ever saw him pray for was a honey bun. (laughs) Listen, this man was serious about that 540 calorie snack nourishing his body for Jesus Christ. Because we were, we had just come from a scene. uh, we, We were at Gilligan's Island for something that wasn't awesome. And we get, he goes, Hey, and he, he's real, he's got a real southern accent. And, uh, I hope he listens to this, but he, he said, Hey, I gotta, I'm gonna, I gotta eat something. My sugar's getting low. I'm like, All right, man. And so he's, he's on the side of the car. I'm driving. He gets on the side of the car. He holds the car and he raises his honey bun up, presenting it to the Lord. And he said, Heavenly Father, I come to you today to ask you to bless this food in my body, to nourish me and strengthen me for your work, Lord. It's in your sons here pray, amen. And he ate that honey bun. And I wondered about all the honey buns I ever ate in my life if they weren't used for God's purpose. What have I been doing wrong? Like, so now I go to the gas station like, should I pray over this beef jerky? I don't know. Let's see. But this is what I, this is what I wrote. I was like, uh, so this is important. These are the rebuttals that I see out of this passage. And it says, the use of the voice is not an essential element of prayer. Could you imagine being in line and be like, Lord? I am praying for patience right now. And the person you're trying to pray for patience for is in front of you. Like in Jesus name, I need patience. Probably not good. And it says the posture of prayer is not of primary importance. A place for prayer is not of great importance. What does that mean? It means I can pray in my car. I pray in my car before I come in here. I pray in the back room. I pray upstairs while watching you guys sing and worship. I'll pray in traffic, I'll pray before I go to work, I'll pray at lunch, I'll sit at my desk and think of something or have a story. I told you guys a story a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about something and I prayed right there sitting at my desk. There's no posture, I didn't make sure everybody in the room knew I was praying. Hey, look at me, I got a prayer I'm gonna say. Yeah, hey, look at me and wave, hey guys, I have a prayer. I'm praying, I'm having, an, I'm having a relational conversation with my Lord and Savior. That's a big deal. One of the best I, I, I've said it before, I'll use this again. I, the, one of the best openings for a prayer I've ever heard was said in the refuge. And it was, hey God, it's me again. And that was how she prayed us out. It was great. And I was I love that example. The particular time of prayer is not important. And a Christian should never be in a place where he could not pray. Uh, Are we under attack for our faith? Who says no? Okay. Who says yes? Oh. It's you. <laughs> Thank you, Hayden. So, when we pray, does fear stop you from praying sometimes? I guess is a better question. And if it's yes, then why? You can answer that question. You can answer yourself, what, what you might think it might be. But here's the direction that Paul's given the church of Thessalonica that's being percus- per- percusiated. It's okay. It's mildly dyslexic. <laughs> that was supposed to be a joke. That was terrible. Paul is telling the church of Thessalonica that's being persecuted to pray. Some of us in our friend groups don't want to pray because we're in our friend groups and our friend groups may not be Christian. And we're not shining the light like we're supposed to and be like Jesus and sharing the gospel. Because we fear that. But we have directions here. This book is full of directions. It's what it sounds like the whole book of uh, 1 Thessalonians has been. So 18... So I broke 18 up into two parts, and you'll understand why here in a second. The full verse of verse 18 reads, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Well, there's that thing again. In all circumstances. Are all circumstances awesome? Have you ever been in a bad spot? Some of you are shaking your heads, yes. I have, I've been in many bad spots. Most of them are self-inflicted. But he says, uh, he says, give thanks. Most of the time we go to God, we go to God and we, we need something. It's a fair assumption. We go to God because I want to, I have a problem in my life. I have something going on. I have, I need God's guidance. I need to pray for His sovereignty. I need to pray for His everything. I take those things that I'm suffering with and I go to God and I say, hey, fix them. I'm having a bad day. I'm having an anxiety attack. I'm doing these other things. Please fix them. Fix me. Help me. I need your providence. I need to be better. When's the last time we went to God and said, thank you for this trial. Thank you for making me realize that I had to go through this valley. Thank you for making me realize that I had to suffer through this pain. Anybody ever had a sports injury or like there were knee deep in their season right here. Thank you for helping me. I knew a young man that he played football stud, awesome kid. He had constant injuries. He's a, I mean, he's a awesome dude. Like you would expect him to go very far and you know that whatever he does, he's going to go far. Well, we had a conversation once, this was years ago, and I asked him about that. And he, this is what he told me. He said, it, it humbled him. It made him realize that that wasn't what he was just about. As a young teenager, he made this realization that God had, had created this circumstance to show him who he truly was. The child of God kid's an absolute stud and i love him. like bro so but it's those things that we don't go to we, we don't go to god and say appreciate you thank you for causing this bad thing to happen to me moving forward but what does it say here it says be thankful in all circumstances As adults, as the adults in the room can probably attest to this, there's been some experiences in our life where we didn't think we were going to make it through. Some of you may have had those experiences before where your order wasn't correct or you got like an 80 on a math test or something very dramatic. You didn't think you were going to make it through. But we had these things happen in our lives and we're we're still here. And those experiences made us who we are. Those circumstances have put us in this place. Have we thanked God for those things that happened to us. I have a, a story about my mom. My sister actually had this shirt made and I should be able to get through this without sweating out of my eyeballs. And I may have told this one too before. I don't know, but I called my mom one day and we were talking about, um, I got on the discussion of how rough my childhood was because my childhood was pretty rough. Um, and all the things that I had to do on my own. Like I was at, uh, my baby sister is, my baby sister, she's about to be 40. Lord help me. Um, I raised my baby sister, that's pretty much it. We moved to California when I was in the middle school and my sister was seven years, six years old when we moved there. And I basically raised my little sister From the age of seven till when I left for the Navy at the age of 17. And so as a 12-year-old kid, I learned how to cook. Because I had to. I had to learn how to cook, otherwise we weren't going to eat. And I had to to learn how to wash my own clothes, because if I wanted clean clothes, I had to to wash them. And so I kept the house clean, because that's what I was supposed to do. And uh, one day, my mom... who who was an amazing lady, mean, but she was amazing. Um, One day my mom, I'm talking to her and I'm like, I had to do all these things and I did this and I did that and I did this and look at this and, and it got quiet. I was complaining to her about how bad she made my life. You know what she said to me? You're welcome. Like I almost crashed my truck. Because it was like an epiphany, like all those things that I had to go through, those circumstances that I was put in made me who I am today. That's huge. And so I have to be thankful for those things. It's wild, right? We see circumstances that, I mean, we, we see circumstances represented in forest. We see forest fires. We see what happens with those. We see the growth that comes from those. If you've ever driven through Okefenokee on the way through Waycross and you were here for the swamp fire, you know what I'm talking about. It's absolutely amazing. We see storms. We see, we see rain clouds. We see tornadoes. We see all of these terrible things, hurricanes. But what do we see after those? We see growth. We see people coming together we see all of this new life it's amazing here it is three things always rejoice always pray always give thanks a guy named charles spurgeon says when joy and prayer are married their firstborn child is grateful it's pretty cool It's pretty awesome. So 18 B, this is the second part of verse 18. And this is what I want to close 18 out with. And then the the second part says all together, reads, give thanks in all circumstances. And, and for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Please remember this. The thought isn't, this is God's will. So you must do it. The thought is rather this is God's will So you can do it. It isn't easy to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything we give thanks. But we can do it because of God's will. We have to remember that. That relationship that we've established with our Lord and Savior, that's what carries us through these things. We may think we may have other constants in our lives, especially at, at, at your age. There may be things that you lean on more that haven't seemed to have left you yet. And so far, so good, right? Well, the only thing that's constant is Christ. So here we go. Do not quench the spirit. Verse 19. I'm going to read this passage because uh, I'm going to read this because I wrote this this morning. And it says, on fire for Jesus. You ever heard that? Y'all ever felt like you've been on fire for Jesus? Every day of my life. Well, on fire for Jesus. As we have had D now this last weekend, some of us are on fire for Jesus. For some, of, some of us are on fire for Jesus right now. We also get that camp high. We saw it, right? We fall back in love and relationship with our Lord because we spent time rejoicing. With each other, praying with each other and being thankful for our surroundings and the people and the things the Lord has put into our lives. It's his will. Remember? So verse 19 again says, do not quench the spirit. What happens to a fire if we don't tend it? What happens to a fire if we don't protect it in our rain? I'm not a science expert or whatever they call him, a scientistian. That's my, smooth, that's my smooth brain talking. What happens to those things? <laughs> listen, listen. Elephants are smart, Brenton. Um, what happens to that fire? If we don't protect it, it goes out. If we don't fuel it, it goes out. Do not quench that spirit. <clears throat> if there was like a way I could bottle like the camp experience and and like a impact safe bottle where i could just randomly throw them at you to remind you of the holy spirit (laughs) yeah like holy spirit grenades (laughs) i've got some places i gotta go but if i could do that i would because this is what he's talking about he's Those things that drive us to pray, to rejoice, to be thankful, that's a fire that we have. When you give your life to Christ, the first thing you want to do is thank God. Thank you. Why is it so hard to not quench that spirit? Because, just like a fire, the environment affects it. You have wind, you have rain, you have outside things that are causing damage to your spirit, to that on fire for Jesus. The people you hang out with. What did uh, Joe say? Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Some of your friends might be firefighters, sorry. They might be burning you out or putting your flame out. And you're not realizing that because you're rolling back into what they're doing. That on fire for Jesus goes away pretty quick. We have big these big plans where we're gonna get into our Bibles more and pray more. And the Sunday school answers, we pray, we read the Bible, we worship, we come to church, we share the gospel. But those things are hard, Mr. Corey. You know how hard it is to get in my Bible every day? Do you know how hard it is to pray in front of my friends? Do you know how hard it is to Share the gospel with somebody, it's extremely hard. But that's what we're supposed to do. So, when he taught, oh, let's move to verse 20. Do not despise prophecies. Ooh, this could be spicy. What do you think? What does it mean? I will tell you what I think it means. What I read. If you turn to 2 Peter um, 1, 19 through 21, when you start there, it says in 2 Peter 19 through 21, my tabs are right. It says, 19 through 21, reads this way It says, And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp. Shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this. Pay attention. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy is ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So, hey, that's fine. Pay attention here. We, we know that it's, it's on. But it says, we are not to disagree with the prophecies from Scripture, but those of man. And so when we think about those of man, we think about, man, well, how do we interpret Scripture? How do we say what we think that God wants it to say? Because when you get into this and you start doing it more regularly, it may get harder to discern and and break down the easier passages than it is for the harder passages because there's information but scripture interprets scripture we just talked about it in second peter he says if it comes from if it comes from a man's interpretation it is not a prophecy if it comes from god it is So in our day, let's use today. So let's, let's, this is in the Thessalonica. This is 50 AD. This is from people that are getting false prophecies from people that Mr. Chad talked about this. This is from people hearing false prophecies about the end times. I think he talked about the book. The guy was writing about how the world was going to end in like 1988. Great year. 18 was on TV. I was 10. Um, But what happened when it didn't end? They just moved the dates. We're definitely going to happen. It's definitely going to happen the next time around. But then it didn't. So they just moved the dates. So I had a guy that uh, I was on a submarine in December of 1999. Back in the 1900s. And I was there for Y2K. Most of you have parents that weren't even there, and that's okay. Um, but Y2K came around, and they thought that the world was going to end because they thought the banks were going to reset because they couldn't manage turning 1999 <laughs> into 2000 on the clocks. Listen, people, this really happened. And I had a guy at work. He was, uh, he was uh, a, a sailor, and... No joke. He took all of his money and all of his belongings and he turned it into gold so that he would have it. When the clocks struck January 1, 2000, and there was no banks. He, he went back to the gold standard. So everything he had, he put back into gold. Because what was he doing? He was listening to people that were telling him that the world was going to end. Do do we know? We talked about it two weeks ago. Do we know when the world's going to end? Do we know when Christ will return and will take us home? Do we know? No. It is for nobody to know, not even the Son of Man. So how do these people know this? That's what he's talking about. Because if you move into verse 21, this is pretty good. Verse 21, he goes, he says, uh but test everything. <laughs> test everything. We tell you this every single week. Listen, you can listen to us. Trust but verify. Read your Bibles. Am I right? Look it up. Are we? Is there something you question? Look it up. See if we're saying the right things, if we're glorifying God's word, if we're bringing you his word, look it up. That's what he's saying. But then he goes into this, and this is like one of my favorite sayings. Um, hold fast. Oh, this is what I wrote. Test everything to to the standard of God's word. Not mine. God's word is infallible. Men are fallible. Hermeneutics, scripture interprets scripture, but hold fast. I want to get to this because this is huge, and this is, uh, this is important. Anybody know what hold fast means? Any of my uh, ROTC, NJROTC people know what hold fast means? Anybody ever ridden a sailboat? And you've been here to see nobody, come on. Well, let's go, Eli, Just give me something good. Okay, here's what I wrote. I like pirate movies, but it's cool. And sailing movies. Here we go. Hold fast. Do you know what hold fast means, Christian? Not man. Close enough. I tell you to turn into your fish. Hold fast means to hold on. Sailors would say this when they were sailing through rough waters. The captain would shout out, hold fast, when there was a chance for them to get knocked overboard or injured. It also means bear down and fight. That's what we're reminded in Paul's letters. Remember, we must, we talked about this last time I talked, we must go, we must go to war daily for our faith. We must hold fast to God's word. There's some, uh, and I was looking at this up today for way too long, um, but there's some that say there's one hand on the the gunnel or the rope or whatever is holding that person to the boat and one hand free so that person can help his friend. Well, if we hold fast to God's word, conveniently, it fits in one hand. Then I have a hand free for my friend. So I'm holding fast to this and I'm giving you my hand for safety. What am I clinging to for that safety? God's word. Pretty wild, huh? I thought it was. So... We must hold to his word. Verse 22. And you can see, I'm going to to read the verse passage again in the end, and you can kind of see how it all plays together. But verse 22 says, abstain, avoid, don't do from every form of evil. We've, We've tested everything. We've held fast to what is good. Now Paul tells us to abstain from every form of evil. If we've done those things correctly, then we know what they are. It's in here. If you're wondering, but it says when the testing is done, any aspect of evil must be rejected. This includes the evil that may come in a spiritual image. There's a thousand people out there that claim to be sharing God's word, but we know for a fact that they are not. Why? Because with our testing of them and knowing God's word, we have discernment and can tell the difference when they're not. Turn on your TV, turn on YouTube, look up, uh, I watch a bunch of sermons, probably more than I should, but I watch a lot of sermons. Um, and after a while, you start to watch good pastors. I have a list of them. They're all pretty awesome. But after a while, after digging God's word and you start to enrich your life with it, you start to realize that, Oh, some of these people are just flat out lying. There's some that say disconnect the Old Testament from the New Testament because the Old Testament doesn't matter. I like the Old Testament. Jesus is in there. Why would I want to disconnect it? It prophesies the coming of the Son of Man that will save us all. We kind of need that. So what do we got? Let's see. Here's our application. Always be joyful, thankful in prayer. Hold fast and stay the course sometimes it's hard. I understand, but what does it look like? It it looks like this. It says having faith that you can hold on to even in the worst storms, having a personal relationship with Christ to where we are comfortable enough to go to him for capital letters, everything, all the good, all the bad. Remember, we talked about this. It's his will. So the question is, do you have that relationship? Do you need to work on that relationship? Are you starting to reach? as that storm reaching you have nothing to grab onto and you're starting to get tossed around and you can't hold on and you're starting to lean towards the edge and go over? Are you there? Are you clinging to God's word? Are you holding fast? Are you offering your hand to that friend that needs it? So Sunday, or not Sunday night, but Saturday night when uh, Joe preached... I was talking to my brother about this earlier. He said, How many kids were there? And I said, There were 75, and there's a bunch of adults. And I said, But we were preaching to one. Because that's what we're trying to do, right? I'm trying to reach the one, not a one or just one kid. I'm trying to reach the one. There could be 75 the ones in there. When we realize that, that relationship with Christ creates the joy. It creates the need for prayer. It creates the thankfulness. Thank you for making this tough. I understand why I had to go through this valley. Lord, I just come to you to pray today to say thank you for everything. Amen, that's it. I don't have to write it out, sometimes it helps. I don't have to write it out. I just go to God in prayer. So tonight, if you're in the boat and you're getting shaken around pretty bad and you need that relationship to be restored or even started, or you just have questions, there's adults in this room that would love to talk to you. It's never any different. The altar is open. Come and pray. There's prayer cards. You fill them out. We read them for the most part. Some of y'all need to work on your penmanship. Just going to say it. But uh, maybe have somebody write it for you. Some of you. But this is important, guys. And this was... I was talking to Mr. Chad. I'm, I'm I'm almost done. I promise you. I'm I'm pushing for time, and I didn't even think I was going to make time for that, which is hilarious. I was talking to Mr. Chad tonight about how easy and how simple this uh, set of verses is. Sometimes the simplest verse passages can be the hardest to open up. So read them. Let's talk about. Them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come tonight, Lord, so thank you, God, for giving us today. Lord, I ask you to be with us as we worship, Lord, this evening. I pray that uh, everybody in this room, Lord, holds fast to your rules. Lord, I pray that uh, we just listen. Lord, I pray we're thankful. I pray for a rejoice. Lord, we love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.